Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining listeners in Nebraska to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Potash in Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm joined with my co-host Liz Felstern in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you? I'm good, and I want to wish you a happy birthday. I know this will be published a couple days later, but we're actually recording on your birthday. So happy birthday. So thank you very much. Uh, My birthday is the day after Christmas. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about Christmas in Israel, but it is something that I find uh, very interesting that during, you know, Christmas and New Year's in America, everything kind of just takes on a different feeling and a different flow. I wonder, are you experiencing anything like that in Israel? You know, it's really interesting. The It's certainly nothing like in the U.S. I mean, it is not, you know, it doesn't, people aren't off work for Christmas. It doesn't change everybody's schedules. There's no special greeting in the supermarket. There's no bells tinkling everywhere or lights being up. But in certain places of the country, in certain pockets, there are differences and certain things you can feel and see. Um, this year, a little bit different, of course, again, because of COVID. Um, but I mean, in terms of what it's like here, so in Jerusalem specifically, we have, of course, the old city and its Christian quarter, where there are a lot of lights and decorations up. And in a normal year, there would be many, many tourists visiting, right? Um, Christians are often very eager to, to spend Christmas in, in Jerusalem, to be able to go to, to Bethlehem, to Nazareth, to places, you know, where Jesus lived. And uh, we didn't have that this year, right? Because of COVID, we, um, tourists are not able to come in. So Jerusalem was much quieter than usual. And 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 Bethlehem, which is fairly close to Jerusalem as well. And uh, Israelis are generally not allowed to go to Bethlehem. But Nazareth, on the other hand, up north, while there weren't outside tourists, I understand it was still very festive and, and a lot was going on with Israelis that wanted to go and see the Christmas excitement. Um, and so all of there were parades and, and tree lighting and things like that that did happen up north. But here in Jerusalem, definitely quieter than than most years. Do do people who aren't Jewish or maybe even those who are Jewish, uh, do they decorate with lights? Do they have Christmas trees? Is there any symbolism around the holiday that you see throughout the city besides in the old city where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is and the like? So I'll say a a couple of things about that. So here in Jerusalem, I really haven't seen much in the way of decorations other than the YMCA and in the old city. And um, usually the city also puts up lights going down Hebron Street in the direction of Bethlehem, which it's it's a pretty major thoroughfare here in Jerusalem. And so the city puts up, you know, uh, lights um, 
along the along the street specific for for Christmas. I'm sure there are people that have in their homes, right? And and not just Christians, also um, Jews in particular who emigrated from the former Soviet Union. We know that they were very attached to um, Christmas traditions and also a Novi God, which is a unique Russian holiday, which is looks, I think, quite similar to Christmas. And so people do decorate and have, you know, trees a little bit, but you don't see, you don't see all that much of it. One just funny tidbit I will stick in is that when I do sometimes feel like I see more Christmas decorations is actually during Sukkot, because I think that the, um, after the season leftover Christmas decorations from every place else in the world sometimes get shipped to Israel and resold nine months later as, you know, half price sukkah decorations. And whereas Americans or really anybody other than Israelis where green and red means something very specific and you see it, the tinsel and you think, oh, this is Christmas. Israelis don't necessarily have those connotations. And so they just think, oh, these are pretty shiny things. We can hang them up in our in our sukkah. So you do sometimes see sukkot that look, I would say, rather Christmassy. Well, our, our sukkah does not look Christmassy, but we do take advantage of buying lights uh, after mm-hmm. Christmas to use in our, our in our sukkah because they are usually uh, at a at a decent price. You know, the time period between Christmas and New Year's is, is also very interesting in Israel, but it also reminds me of. Uh, the second Christmas that takes place. It's the Orthodox Christmas that takes place sometime after the 1st of January. So there's this period of time um, of, I think it's the Armenian and the Greek Orthodox uh, believe that um, the day to celebrate is uh, sometime in January, I think January 6th, around that time period. I don't have the details on that, but I remember that um, being in Israel around after the first of the year, that there was always a second celebration of Christmas. That's something for us to think about. But I, I want to get back to something that um, surprised me when I lived in Israel in the 80s, that uh, yes, there was the some of the Christmas activity, but it was really the activity around New Year's Eve, and that Israelis called uh, New Year's Eve, they didn't call it Rosh Hashanah, which would be the typical thing to say about New Year's Eve. They would call it Sylvester. Uh, and I never really figured out what that was about, but everybody would say, you're going to go celebrate Sylvester. And I thought they were talking about Sylvester Stallone and Rocky movies. <laughs> but um, what, what, what is your take on, on New Year's Eve or the fact that some people call it Sylvester? And do you have any clue where that comes from? Yeah. So I also never heard that name until the first time I came to Israel. Um, and I think that if you asked most Israelis, why is it called Sylvester, right? Sylvester with an Israeli accent, they would have no idea why. It's just what the holiday is called. But it turns out, if you're asking, that actually the name uh, comes from Pope Sylvester I, uh, who died in the year 335. And his feast day is December 31st. So the name, it's actually, you know, it's it's St. Sylvester's Day, and that's where the name comes from. I am sure Israelis have no idea 
what this means or why it has that name. And 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 I do wonder whether you're right, whether the the need to come up with some other name was really from that linguistic place of not being able to call it, you know, the head of the new year, because we already have one of those in the fall with Rosh Hashanah and what, you know, what would you call it? It's like, you know, there's not another great name. So somebody said, well, that day is called Sylvester. Let's just go with that. It, it could be that it was that St. Sylvester was celebrated in many European countries or other places around the world that somehow made its way to Israel. But I, I do think about, you know, you can't have another Rosh Hashanah, although we do have in the Torah multiple New Year's. Um, you have the New Year's mm-hmm. of the trees, you have New Year's around the calendar year, New Year's of the uh, around Passover. So maybe this needs to be a fifth New Year, and maybe they call it something else besides Sylvester. I don't know. I just, I always find it interesting when I am in Israel and there's something very, very different than anything I've ever experienced before, and it being part of our Jewish culture and traditions. And Sylvester yeah. is one of them. Yeah, it definitely has a little bit of different traditions. I mean, I there's no there's no ball drop in Israel that I'm aware of. But you know, of course, people that are young and energetic enough to do it stay up until midnight. There's a certain you know drinking culture, of course, similar to similar to in the U.S. Um, there's also a there's two other aspects of the holiday that I think are a little bit uniquely Israeli. One is a shaving cream not it's not shaving cream it's what a silly string you know it like it comes in a spray can but it comes out real thin and in different colors that is definitely a part of the celebrations of people who are sort of out and about bar hopping and stuff for some reason silly string is in the mix is that, and there's is another that, is, that, is that leftover from Purim and Yamats Mahut I I don't know what it's left over from but it's definitely I, I, a thing. I, I, I do remember being out on the streets for Yomat's mood and being attacked by silly string. So mm-hmm. that's a... Yes, also for also for Yomat's mood. I am. Um, yeah. So many. Well, I guess so many, we're very lucky that we get to have a new year, right? Right, but so many cultural things that have taken place in Israel because it's a melting pot of people from all over the world. And people bring their customs with them. And uh, sometimes they get picked up by others, and sometimes they don't. But I think that's one of the most unique things about Israel is this multifaceted country that's very small and people from all over the place that uh, that contribute to it. You know, in America, you know, it's common on, on uh, Christmas Eve in America to go out for Chinese food. Probably mm-hmm. not. Some, probably not something that's done in Israel on December the twenty fourth. Um, no, not really. Not <laughs> even if you wanted to, because we hardly even have Chinese restaurants. Uh, which is funny because as an American, we somehow feel like there is this special bond between Jews and Chinese food, whether it's on Christmas or all year round, which works for me. But. Um, but in Israel specifically, we really don't have Chinese restaurants. We have what at one time was the highest number of sushi restaurants per capita. And we have a lot of Thai restaurants, but not uh, but not Chinese. So that's 
interesting. Um, I, I and yeah, I don't think Israelis have any spe- specific connection to Chinese or any other Asian, you know, cuisine and Christmas or New Year's. I do remember in the 80s that there was an influx of people from Thailand to be uh, in the workforce in Israel. And I'd met several whose spouses opened up uh, Thai restaurants uh, in Jerusalem, and they were very, very good. And then I remember meeting somebody who was a a, uh, sushi chef who opened up a restaurant. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, I think it's near the, the... train station the first train station the first station but uh i uh, there is a japanese restaurant pretty close to there i think japanica is the one yeah. that's there so again bringing things from around the world and celebrating israel i think is awesome uh, i need to kind of ask a couple of current events questions i read today in the in the paper in the Times of Israel and something we can talk about later, that there's a push to develop the Golan, the Golan Heights. Are you hearing anything about that? Uh, yes. I mean, I would say that uh, there is such a push and it sounds like very exciting plans and with a considerable amount of money behind it. It's not the first time that there we've had you know projects like this. Israel has, for all of its history, sort of struggled with how to get people and I don't know how to say it politically correctly, but a certain type of people to be willing to leave the center of the country, right? To And to settle in the North and in the South um, because to a certain extent, the populations that that have historically lived in the North and the South, right? In, in the periphery, are uh, new immigrants and other uh, segments of the population that that were forced sort of to move out of the center because they couldn't afford it. Um, And to try and make the North and the South attractive enough to entice even people who could choose to live wherever they would like in the country is definitely something that a lot of uh, efforts have been put into. And this sounds like another one of those sort of initiatives. And I think it could be great, right? Why not? Even though we're a teeny little country, we have quite a lot of areas that are relatively unsettled and underpopulated. And we have other parts of the country that are very, very crowded. And anybody who's ever tried to park in Tel Aviv knows what I'm talking about. So you know, plans that will make life in, in the Golan in, in, and in the Negev attractive to, to get some more diversity in terms of where people want to live are, are a great, great idea. Well, I think it's a great idea because the Golan Heights are beautiful. They, they do ha- get cold in the evening. There's, in the wintertime, there's some snow in the Golan, um, also some rain. But reading a couple of weeks ago that Tel Aviv was the most expensive city in the world to live in. That opening up uh, more options for housing in the Golan Heights is a great thing for Israel and for others who want to move to Israel. This week I read that um, immigration to Israel is up from around the world and that for the first time in many, 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 many years, 
there were a significant number of Americans that made Aliyah to Israel, some 4,000. Usually it's around 2,500, so an increase of, of several to uh, move to Israel. So maybe there'll be a little American village in uh, the Golan Heights that uh, would welcome Americans. But uh, I love the Golan Heights in springtime and summer. I'm not quite sure what it's like in the wintertime, but uh, something to look forward to. Well, you know, it's not nothing that a Nebraskan couldn't handle, <laughs> right? There, let's be clear. There is no place in Israel that gets anywhere near the low temperatures or the snowfall of, of Nebraska. So if you get a little sprinkling here and there in the Golan, I think most people could handle it. Aren't most of the wines coming out of Israel today from the Golan Heights area? It is our wine country. Yes, there are there are some vineyards actually spread out in the rest of the country as well. But the Golan is very much a center. I mean, the Golan winery is one of the, you know, one of the most well known. I am. But there are a lot in that area. Yes. Well, something to look forward to in uh, future homes for some of us, maybe. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there. I think people, you know, may be familiar with the area as tourists. There are a lot of tourist attractions. Obviously, there's a lot of hiking and and scenic things. Um, So to try and settle more, you know, full year-round residential areas there and and real communities uh, makes a lot of sense. Well, great. So maybe we should take a little field trip up to the Golan and uh, report on that at some point. Anything else uh, going on that you want to chat about? That's it. Not too much. Just finishing up the year. Well, uh, it's been a good year for our podcast. We've uh, been able to produce a podcast almost every week since we started um, in uh, early 21. Uh, So I'm looking forward to an exciting 22 with our podcast and I think we had our official 25th episode. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's determination. And, and we, we grow in listeners every week. So that's a positive thing. Um, and so next week when we talk, it'll be actually the 1st of January, I believe. It's next Sunday. Could the be, I believe you. Yeah. I think or maybe the 2nd of January. All I know, it'll be in 22. Second, yeah, yes, the 2nd. So the next time I see you will be the year of 2022. So I wish you a, a happy uh, Sylvester and uh, best to, to you and your family. Thank you. Happy Sylvester to you as well. My silly spring will not reach all the way to Omaha, but... You can you can give it a good try. Very spirit. So thank you all for listening. This has been Israel Rebound coming to you from Omaha and uh, Jerusalem. Thanks.